you're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. The message this morning is unique uh, in that it tracks through at least eight chapters of Exodus from the calling of Moses in chapter 3 at the burning bush, really, all the way through uh, the third plague on Egypt. And there's just no way for me to, to read all this text and preach a message on it <laughs> uh, in the time allotted for us this morning. So I need to walk us through a summary of these events. Uh, because mo- my focus this morning is not on the overall picture of God delivering Israel from uh, Egyptian slavery. My, our focus this morning is on the mimicking of miracles by deep fakes. These are people who claim to worship other gods, little g, uh, but are still able to produce uh, similar miracles to our God. I mean, these are legit con artists, and we still have these today, and we don't want to be fooled by the many antichrists who are walking this earth, men, men and women who wield power in the name of false gods, maybe even in the name of God's enemy, the devil. How are we to believe in the Lord of the Bible if someone else can do the same things he can do? All right, so we're going to look at that question today. So in Exodus 3, we have the call of Moses. Just hang with me. We'll pick up in, in, on, on the screen in just a minute uh, in Exodus 4.1. But in Exodus 3, we have the calling of Moses at the burning bush. And if, uh, for those that aren't familiar with the story, uh, God calls Moses, wants him to go to Egypt and get, let his people, set his people free. But he tells God, you know, a million excuses why he can't do it. I'm not the guy. First he says, who am I, you know? Then he says, who are you? Who am I gonna say, that, who am I gonna tell him you are? And God says, you tell him I am sent you. <laughs> and then we come to Exodus four, verse one, and we'll pick up reading here. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? Speaking to Moses. He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. A little scaredy cat. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put it inside his cloak and he took it out. Behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe either, uh, even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it uh, on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. Now, just to be clear, these are all signs for Israel. These weren't the signs that he was going to do yet before Pharaoh, all right? These were four signs, the staff to the serpent, leprous hand, his own voice, and water to blood, all right? To help convince Israel that God's got about to free them from Egypt, all right? So, 
Long story short, God sends Moses with his older brother Aaron uh, with him to be the spokesperson. And we come to Exodus 4 verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you uh, do before Pharaoh all the uh, miracles that I've put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Verse 30 of Exodus 4, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Then we come to Exodus 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Now, jump forward to Exodus 7, verse 1. Exodus 7, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 2, You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Uh, now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now we come to the initial sign before the 10 plagues started, all right? This was turning staffs into snakes. This is Exodus 7, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded them. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent, right? Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and they, the magicians of Egypt, Here's where it starts. Also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't listen to them as the Lord had said. Then we come to the first plague, which was turning water to blood in Exodus 7 verse 15. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let, me, uh, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you've not obeyed. Verse 19, and the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, their canals, their ponds, and all their pools of water so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Verse 20, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. He lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile and all the water in the Nile turned into blood and the fish in the Nile died and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians couldn't drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. 
But the magicians, here it is again, the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Then we come to the second plague. This is of sending frogs on the land. This is Exodus 8, verse 5. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Here it is again. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and my people. And I will let the Lord, I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Of course, that's a lie. Then we come to the third plague of sending gnats on the land. This is Exodus chapter eight, verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth and they were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. May God bless the reading of his word. I want to ask Denny Bass to come and ask God's blessings on the message today. Oh, Denny. Y'all excuse me if I mess up this first time I've ever spoken in a crowd. Um, please bow your heads. Um, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for all the many blessings that we receive through you and the mercies we receive. We especially thank you for the opportunity and gift of salvation. And if there's anybody in need today, please use Went as your vessel to reach them today so they're not lost. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Did just fine. <laughs> Amen. Well, uh, that was a lot to digest, all, the, all that reading. And so just in way of review, it's just God calling Moses and older brother Aaron, giving them the power of signs and wonders, which we sang about this morning, and then sends them to Pharaoh, where Pharaoh's own magicians are able to mimic the same wonders of God up to a certain point. And that leads us to our first point this morning, which is this, deep fakes are capable of power. I know we're not uh, in a study of the end times right now, but we're sure enough living in them. <laughs> uh, Paul believed he was living in them, Thessalonians 4, and, and I believe we are too. I know that for certain. And we need to understand that deep fakes can indeed mimic the powers of God. And that shouldn't confuse you as a Christian. It shouldn't scare you. It shouldn't paralyze your faith and trust in the power of Jesus Christ. What it should do is prepare you for the devil's 
parlor tricks, which are happening all around us, even as I speak, right? From the very first plagues in the Bible, in Genesis, uh, very first pages of the Bible, uh, that was, I guess the fall of man was a plague, uh, but the very first pages in Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So the devil from the very beginning of the earth uh, was powerfully and sinfully intelligent. All right. Uh, he apparently had the power to shape shift or at least inhabit a serpent. It's obvious that snakes don't talk, but Satan somehow manipulated that snake to speak to Eve in a way that she understood. And Satan definitely had the power uh, to lie. That's a power we all have. Uh, even lies themselves do have a power to them. Maybe a power that destroys people's lives and separates us from God, but uh, and true, the true joy that he has for us, but it's power nonetheless. I was telling someone this week, if you think that you can go into battle, into war, and not come out with some battle wounds, you are delusional and unprepared for your Christian walk. <laughs> you don't go into a barroom brawl and get shocked when you come out with a black eye, all right? When a football player plays three, four hour game, he's exhausted at the end of the game. When a mother uh, has a newborn up in the middle of the night, she's gonna be exhausted. Spouses are gonna get exhausted with each other. Christians are gonna get exhausted with their own sin and the world's wickedness and the, and the devil's evil ways, right? And do you know why that is? Because we're at war. We are at war with the enemy. We are the construction workers for the kingdom of God and the devil is building another kingdom of self. He wants to still kill and destroy. He wants to dismantle every block we put in place in the kingdom of God and he's doing it. Right? First Peter 5 verse 8 says, be sober minded, be watchful your adversary your enemy the one who has sworn allegiance to annihilate you publicly declared it prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour he's not some wealthy oligarch somewhere some king sitting around enjoying the spoils he's active and engaged in annihilating you and your family and your marriage and your faith that doesn't mean your family. I don't like it when, you know, we need to be careful saying, you know, a spouse is the devil. Our kids are little devils. Your boss is the devil. I'll tell you who's the devil. The devil. <laughs> right? And he's focused like Flint on devouring you and keeping you from Christ and from the victory of the cross. That's a, that's a fact. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, this darkness we see all around us in the world. You think it's politics. It's more than politics, brother. Over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Church, listen, you are a creation of God. You are not a ruler or authority or cosmic power or spiritual force of evil. That's not what you were put here for. You were created by God to glorify God. But some people, some antichrist, some wicked deep fakes are able to mimic, to imitate, to display at some level power in this fallen world. 
There's three times that the magicians of Egypt imitated the signs and wonders of God. One's in Exodus chapter 7, verse 10, Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. I don't know how many magicians were there. It could have been five. It could have been 50. So there were more snakes that they produced than the one lone snake that Aaron produced, all right? So at that point in the story, it was at bare minimum two to one in favor of the dark arts, right? Then a second time in Exodus 7 verse 20, Moses and Aaron turned the water in the Nile into blood. But the magicians, verse 22, the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. Then a third time, Exodus 8 verse 5, Moses and Aaron, through the power of God, I might add, made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Verse 7, but the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Magicians did the same. Magicians did the same. Magicians did the same by their secret arts. Now, the ESV study Bible, which I recommend to everyone, it's a great study Bible. You can get it in an app on your phone, through the Apple Store, Google Play, or you can buy a hard copy, but... Uh, the ESV Study Bible, t speaking of this, explains that the narrative of Exodus doesn't seek to provide any further explanation of the means by which the magicians perform these signs, whether by trickery, a sleight of hand, evil supernatural powers, or some combination of these, right? So we don't know how they did it, but we know why they did it. <laughs> they were doing it in opposition to a holy God. Anything you can do I can do better. That's what man striving against God is saying with his life. And that's what these magicians were saying by mimicking the miracles of God. And by the way, they produced effective and an effective imitation uh, to the Pharaoh of Egypt because every time that they mimicked God's miracles, Pharaoh's heart seems to grow more calloused each step. Oh, oh, okay. We see this uh, after the first plague in Exodus chapter 7, verse 22. The magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart, so Pharaoh's heart remained hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Christian, listen, I'm only saying all this to say, get into your spiritual locker room and put your gloves on because you're in a brawl. This is a fight. This isn't pop the recliner up. And just put your hands behind, you know, just lay back and relax. God will let all your Christian faith take care of itself. You better get off your keister and get in the word of God and get in prayer and be ready for the final days of this world. Be ready. Fight like you're a Christian. Be ready for it. We have the victory in Christ to do it. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So Satan is clearly using Pharaoh's Egyptian magicians to steer the heart of the king against God's people. Real power, dark power on display with real results. And many of you have the battle scars. Many of you have had spiritual things happen to you. You've had demonic dreams. You've had demonic encounters. And you know it's real. Spiritual warfare is real. It's capable of some level of power and it can instigate wicked, tangible results. But, <laughs> right, there's a divine leash 
right? Which leads to our second point today. Deep fakes are confined in their power. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Yes, the power of the enemy is real, and we shouldn't make light of it, by the way. Uh, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't mess around with Ouija boards and dark arts and... Uh, you know, you shouldn't even joke about some of those things. You know, I'm not telling you to go out and stop watching Harry Potter, but I'm just saying, you know, you need to be careful. You don't, don't be too cavalier as if the devil's some little cartoon red pitchfork on your shoulder. You know, he's, he's powerful, but he's confined. <laughs> Did you know the devil needs God's permission, worldly condition, and our submission to do anything? <laughs> uh, we see the, the power of the Egyptian magicians were confined from, from the very first sign. Exodus 7 verse 10, Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his serp servants and it became a serpent. Pharaoh summoned his wise men uh, and the sorcerers and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Verse 12, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. And that's where 7-Eleven's etymology of the big gulp came from. <laughs> I know, that was, that was pretty bad. Just, I was really just testing you. All right. Then in the first plague of turning the water uh, to blood, Exodus 7, verse 20, in the sight of Pharaoh, and I'm saying that because these are the people that are watching all this happen. And in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned to blood. Verse 22, the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts, but jumped to verse 24 of Exodus 7. It says, all the, the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. So we've got God's one serpent swallowing up all of those other serpents, however many they were, it doesn't matter, he ate every one of them. Now we're, we've got them mimicking water into blood, but they cannot reverse it. It says seven full days passed. Then, just to be clear, we come to the second plague of frogs, Exodus 8, verse 6. Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go sacrifice to the Lord. Of course, he was lying again, but Pharaoh doesn't plead with his own magicians, <laughs> right? Which means he's at least beginning to understand the power of Yahweh. Whenever you see capital L-O-R-D in your Bible, that's a different title of God. It's the holy name of God. He pleads with Moses and Aaron because his magicians can't undo a thing. Only Yahweh and his spokesmen, Moses and Aaron, have the power to reverse the plagues. Then in the third plague of gnats, uh, Exodus 8 verse 17, God made all the dust of the earth become gnats. That's a lot of gnats because there's a lot of dust uh, in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. Now, y'all know that in Scripture, uh, numbers sometimes have another significant meaning. So the number seven has a meaning of completion. You know, the Bible says you forgive one another seven times 70. It doesn't mean you stop at 490. It's, it's a number of completion. Keep doing it. And uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 7 is a great example of this when it says, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to de be defeated before you. Listen to this. I love this. They shall come out against you one way, 
and flee before you seven ways. <laughs> they're running scared from you. They come in one way and go out seven. Church, think about this. All the magicians really did for Egypt and for Pharaoh and for their own people is make matters worse. <laughs> Are y'all tracking? They only produced more bad stuff, right? They only added more bloody water, more frogs. So they were used by God to add to the plagues. And they thought they were winning. <laughs> yeah, they were for Jesus, for God, for his kingdom. It doesn't take too long for Pharaoh's magicians to run out of juice. They were swallowed up in round one, limited in rounds two and three, and couldn't even land a single blow by round four. KO'd, confined in power to the purposes of God. Second Corinthians 10 verse four says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Did you know that's you? That's your God. That's your Yahweh. That's your Lord Jesus Christ. The power to destroy strongholds, sins that are recurring in your life, brokenness, unforgiveness. Your God has the power to restore it, to tear down all those strongholds, to bind Satan from your families. You have that power in God, which leads to point three. Deep fakes make a confession of God's superior power. Now, to be clear, God's people had already believed genuinely uh, back in uh, Exodus 4, verse 30. Remember when Aaron went and, uh, you know, did all the wonders and signs in the sight of the people. And it says in Exodus 4, 31, the people believed. And of course, they even bowed down and worshiped. So there was a, it was a genuine faith. So friend, listen, 1,500 years before John, the, John wrote in Revelation 5, verse 13, listen to this. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Long before Paul wrote in Philippians 2 verse 10 at the name of Jesus, every knee will, should bow. We sang that this morning. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess every one of them that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 750 years before Isaiah wrote God's words in Isaiah 45 verse 23, by myself, God says, I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return to me, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, every tongue shall swear allegiance. That's going to happen. But before all of those inspired words that I just read to you were ever even written down, we have a group of pagan Egyptian magicians reminding us that God's superior power will bring about the confession of every mouth. And it may be too late for their salvation after death, that judgment, but they will confess. Just listen to the, their words again, the magician's words in Exodus 8, 18. They tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, 
<laughs> we're done. We're tapped out. We got nothing left in the trick trailer, right? This is the finger of God. Elohim. 3,500 years ago, we see a precursor of global confession. <laughs> when even deep fakes declare God's power superior to all gods, superior to their own demonic parlor tricks, superior to all mankind's thoughts and deeds, as Colossians 1.18 says, that in everything he might have preeminence above all, before all, after all, that's our God, superior in every way. Deep fakes are capable of power, but they're confined in that power, God's leash. And eventually they will confess God's superior power. And finally, lastly this morning, deep fakes are a classroom for God's autobiography. Did you know that the con artists weren't the only ones that were growing in their knowledge of who God is? Of course, Pharaoh was growing. <laughs> he witnessed the power of God, especially when that death angel came over. And we don't have time to read all that. But God had already told Moses why he was doing this. Do y'all know why? Remember in, back in Exodus 5, verse 1, afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And then we get these hard words right here in verse 2. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Who, who's that? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, moreover, I will not let Israel go. And I believe that statement instigated, precipitated God saying in Exodus 7 verse 4, I will lay my hand on Egypt and I will bring my host, my people, the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. God, in his great power, says to the world, I gave you the sun, moon, and stars. I gave you the, the visible birth of a baby child in front of you, the miracle of life. I gave you everything all around you pointing to me. But you say you still don't know me? You say you don't know me? Well, you're about to be welcomed to the classroom of a holy God. And the only, the only textbook you're going to need is the word of God. And I'm going to promise you this. When you graduate from that class, you're going to know who I am. That's what God says. You, you say you don't know me? Well, get out a pen and paper. I'm about to tell you a few things about myself. I'm about to flex and you're going to know who I am. That's our God, church. <laughs> Exodus, and by the way, those magicians weren't the only ones getting schooled by God's autobiography. Uh, Exodus 10 verse 7 says, then Pharaoh's servants, listen to this, Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? 
I mean, you got to be bold to speak to a, a, a Pharaoh, to be a servant of Pharaoh and to walk in and say, have you lost your mind? Let him go. Our, our whole country is ruined. Look around you. Let me tell you something. Just like Pharaoh, men today are still ruining themselves. They're destroying their families. They're destroying their own heart. They're robbing themselves of their own joy because they are so stubborn and bullheaded and rebellious against God. But trust me, friend, you better trust me and you better trust God's word. Not one soul will step into hell without first passing through the classroom of Yahweh 101. They will know him and they will confess him. And though it's been about 1,500 years since Exodus, we're still living in the classroom of God. <laughs> and he's still teaching. And praise God, we as a church can say in faith and repentance, we know the Lord. We know him. We know you. And you are superior. You're above all my problems. You're above all uh, the, the speed bumps in the way of my life. You are greater than all other gods that I can see and the ones I cannot see. You are above them and you rule them. And one day they will all confess you. And I've already confessed you and I'll confess you every day as I sing praises to your name, as I bow before you daily in prayer as I plead with you for the souls of mankind to know you. I'm, I know your power. And we believe in the power of the blood, right? The power of the blood on the doorpost of our hearts. We're wiping it on there. And we watch the death angel fly over. <laughs> we're not only delivered from the death angel, we're delivered into victory, into freedom. And we can still be delivered today if we will surrender. Call on the name of the Lord. His signs are more. His signs are sure. And it'd be best to confess him now because you will confess him one day. Would you stand? Father God, you know how heavy my heart has been to preach this message. because I believe that you want to do something great at Piperton and in this world. And I believe you're saving souls. And I believe your Holy Spirit is charged up and ready to bring people to you. Broken people who got nothing to offer you, who come pleading to the throne saying, God, I got nothing, but you got everything and I want it. I want to trust in you and surrender my life to you. And you can call on him now in the name of Jesus and you can be saved I don't care what sin you've done based on the authority of God's word you can be forgiven if you call on the name of Jesus and trust him to forgive it God I pray if there's anyone here that has not called on the name of Jesus that you would convict their hearts and in a way that a preacher can't I can't convict people your word can though and your Holy Spirit can and I pray you would do that in the quietness of their own hearts and let them call on you in repentance and faith and be saved I pray they would come and make it public and be baptized as a symbol of you washing all their sins away when you died on that cross and were buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. God, I pray that if there are people here that have, they're just uh, kind of 
couch potatoes in their Christian walk. They're just not doing anything. They're just stagnant in their faith and they need a little, they need a, a shock. They need a jump, a charge. Uh, Lord, would you give them the charge they need today to, to plug in, to plug into this church locally or find a church where they can plug in that preaches God's word and be an active part of ministry. May we never stop running and fighting. May we never take the gloves off of our faith. And I pray that you would let this church be a mighty fortress of God until you return. And we wouldn't stop seeing souls won here and people obedient and repentant and growing in their faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.